Welcome to the Talking With Tech Podcast. My name is Chris Bouvet, and I'm here as always with, wait a second, uh, not as always, Rachel's not here with me today. Sorry, Rachel. Rachel took the week off, catching up on stuff, but I did invite my lovely wife, Melissa. Hello, Melissa. Hi, thanks for having me. I love coming on. Yes, well, thanks for being here. So let's talk about what's been going on in your world. So people who might be new, new to the podcast or just listening for the first time, they might not know that you're a mom cook see oh oh, okay no sorry i'm the uh dean of special education at a local high school yes and so uh you've been in a lot of meetings uh, and you've had like boots on the ground talking to families talking to parents uh talking to families of people who use augmentative communication Mm -hmm. but not just let's not talk about just that population let's talk about all parents what's your feeling what are you hearing what are some questions people have what you've got the finger on the pulse of parents what's the general impression you get well i think i'm going to come at it this way chris um first of all i think the impression is everybody misses everybody we all miss each other we're in the end, we're all a community, and and no matter what's going on out there, um, we just miss really seeing the, um, the kids and each other and meeting with these families. I think the general impression for parents is, and me being one, is a bit of, it's a bit nerve-wracking. Even though I've gone through training, Chris, and, and this has been my life, it, it's hard. I don't know Algebra 2. And I don't know how to teach our our freshman algebra two. Heck, math eight is tough at times. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, luckily I'm an expert in algebra oh, so with my speech language pathology training. Uh... Yes. Oh, right, <laughs> right. I mean, they they go through calculus there, right, and trig. So, I um, I just I hear parents' frustrations there. I I hear I hear parents just um. you know, not having that skill of being able to get through to the kids because they're at home. And so those, especially the little kids, they haven't developed the association key that they need in their brain yet. So when they're home, they do this at home. They play, they eat, they sit with mom and snuggle, they watch movies. When they're in school, that's where they do all their worksheets and work. And so Mm -hmm. I think the littles are having a having trouble, you know, with that association. And then the parents are really trying to get them to get stuff done because I've heard quite a bit. I'm so worried they're going to be behind. Mm -hmm. But here's the thing. (laughs) We're all in the same place. Everybody is experiencing the same stop point as far as where they stopped. The parents um, feel like there's a lot coming at them all at the same time. And it's sometimes it's a lot of edge of speak. So I think us as educators need to remember that just that compassion and kindness and putting yourself in those shoes of those parents. Should we switch this conversation and talk about 504s and, and, or IEPs or should we talk about PLAFPs? Plafs, or maybe we should talk about AT, or maybe we should talk about um, accommodations versus modifications, or maybe we should talk about um, uh, pedagogical stance on no. something. Like these Chris. are the words that be like, what are you talking right. about? <laughs> right, right. TDLPs right now, um, which I know a lot of people are are talking about. So, which in our neck of the woods, is, those are temporary distance learning plans. Right, <laughs> and then there's report cards coming out. And 
progress notes and how we're grading for fourth quarter and what we're using for fourth quarter. And you were mentioning that meme the other day, Chris, yeah. about how um, on Facebook about how, you know, <laughs> just go to the Zork and click on the Bork and turn on the zippity do whatever yes. it was. <laughs> and the parent, the parent was like, oh, uh, what? what? <laughs> like, like, and and I feel that way, you know, I in between my work, I am getting emails from teachers just it looks like almost like a time ticker on the you know along the bottom of your screen yeah let me just make sure i understand you because i feel like i get those emails too you mean as parents we're getting emails and they're just embedded with all the other work emails and gmail whatever so suddenly you get an email from a teacher uh, maybe it's a sixth grade or uh i mean luckily you work at the school that our son goes so you recognize all the names but sometimes you might get an email from the pe teacher and you're like who is this again like where it's just buried in my email and and because my kids, our kids or kids out there might have 10 different teachers. Yes. And sometimes, you know, you could be getting 10 different emails right. all flooded with and it looks like spam. So yep. you could easily miss something. And it's it's hard. And that's the other thing, too, we have to remember is the kids are getting these. Well, not the little kids. I mean, I don't think the little kids know are, you know, they're just learning how to manage that. So you have to think about that population, too. But even, t- you know. Our kids, what at fourteen and twelve, their their email is flooded, you know, with, um, and it's a good way because they love seeing it from their teachers and they love hearing from their teachers and we are so grateful for their teachers, mm-hmm. um, and I know parents are grateful for all we're doing, but sometimes some teachers can be a little gung ho, and and pull into that education of this is what I know and and this is my content and here's how I'm going to get it across to your Mm -hmm. kid almost to make sure that you know they know and best intentions always they always have the best intentions but um yeah I feel like there's an expression there about best intentions though yeah (laughs) (laughs) so I think I think my my biggest thing is just remembering that um a lot of these parents don't have degrees in teaching, and we do. So cut the edge of speak as much as possible. Be compassionate. They're home with the kids all the time. And Chris, you know this about me, but in my meetings, I go into my IEPs as um, I'm not home with your kid. Mm-hmm. I don't go home with him or her. You have a different lens of this child, and that's why you're a part of this team, because you're essential to us. And so I think right now we're all essential to each other and just being compassionate with each other and patient because things are changing nonstop. Mm -hmm. Well, so I know a lot of people who are listening are educators Mm. and you mentioned the educators that said like, well, I have this degree, right? I feel like there's, and you said there's like a certain number that are like, okay, let's, you didn't say it. I'll say like, cool your jets. We, we get you. Let's think about empathy. Yeah. Right. Um, I'm summarizing what I think you said just and mm-hmm. spitting it back out. As I'm because they it. mean the best. Yeah, again, yeah. good intentions. I wonder if there's a mentality out there that education means content. And mm-hmm. I am the person as the educator who is the controller of content and I give you the content. I wonder, and I don't wonder, I know the that needle has been shifting away from that. And there are still people that live there. But the, the I think many educators have started to shift that mentality to, I am the person that can help you 
learn the content. Mm -hmm. I don't give it to you. you. Content is free. You can find content anywhere. But what strategies do you use to parcel out that, understand it, make sense of it, apply turn it into it. new? Yes, apply it. Um, those strategies uh, are what really, so here's a graphic organizer you might use, or, um, or maybe even the reflective coaching that I talk about on this podcast mm -hmm. all the time. All right, student, you have, the, here's the content. What, how, how are you going to attack it? What are you going to do about it? Here's, what's the authentic problem you're trying to solve with it? And tying it back to something that's really meaningful to the student. And I think, and, and Chris, you know, always for forefront, I'm speaking of the parents and I'm speaking of the educators, but the first and foremost is the kids. I, I think really remembering that, yes, we're struggling, but kids are so perceptive and receptive and empathetic naturally. And so they're soaking in every ounce of our own stress that even we're trying to hide, right? So even our son was able to say, and even though I was walking around going, no, everything's okay. Let me, let me just, you know, the first two weeks of it, let's get schedules and, and let's make new recipes and let's have spirit days in the house and, and everybody put on a t-shirt that means something to them. You know, we, you and I were doing all these things Well, you were, you were like underwater, yeah. but, um, so was I, but at the same time. I was escaping in the very little moments I had to just envelop the kids and keep them busy. And our son finally looked at me at one point and said, I know you're stressed. And I said, no, I'm fine. I'm fine. No, get busy when you're stressed and you stay busy. And so it's it's we have to remember that they're hearing and seeing and and they're feeling it and they're feeling a loss. We were excited. We get to stay home. You know, you and me are like, oh my gosh, we're staying home. We get to work from home. This is so great at first, you know? And the kids were like, no, I, I want my friends. I want yeah. my teachers. I mean, our daughter gets up every morning and Still, I hear the same few names of her teachers that she misses so bad mm -hmm. every day. Well, I can say for our kids, and I feel like this is what a lot of our kids' friends also say, is that they miss the social aspect mm -hmm. of school. They miss their friends. They miss their teachers. It's that ac academic piece. It's that academic piece that I'm not sure that they miss, you know, uh, that there's a, a some content like, oh, man, I really miss learning about social studies today. Do you know what I mean? No. And I wonder how we how we as educators, when this is all over, mm. when we go back, how can we what lessons can we take to say, how can we how can we have kids fall in love with learning and not just fall in love with the idea of going to see their friends? You know, right. I think to. Uh, a lot of our kids have said to us, I just miss going in to a structure. A lot of kids miss the structure of, well, I'm in there and there's different things going on and I get to learn in different ways. And I thought that was pretty cool to hear. Um, so this self-guided learning can be really difficult for some of the kids. Well, yes, I understand that 100%. Yeah. And I totally agree. I wonder if it'd be a lot less difficult for them if from kindergarten, it was less structured. Oh, there was yeah. more flexibility. If we trained them right from the beginning and coached them through, all right, what what tool do you need to draw that picture of a flower? Um, a crayon? All right. Instead of go get the crayons off table four. Yeah. You know, uh, we've always provided this very structured situation of school. So I wonder how things could change if we did provide more opportunities and flexibility in the design of school when we go back so that kids 
can do that on their own. They can provide their own regimented structure. Right. I mean, well, a perfect example of something like that that I can see being really useful is what our daughter did. Remember how all of a sudden just one day we we set, you know, we set a very loose structure for them of you guys talk about what would work for you as far as your learning learning style. And so our daughter said, okay, I can get up right away and eat. And then I need to do 30 minutes of math because if I don't do it now, I'm not going to do it. And then I have to take 30 minutes and do something I want to do. And then I'll do another 30 minutes and then I'll take another 30 minutes of what I want to do. And then we said, we gave her examples of you can read, you can draw, you can paint. We ordered paints. We ordered, Mm -hmm. you know, we replenished for her Mm -hmm. because we knew we were going to be home. But she took yarn that her grandmother had given her, looked up on YouTube and learned to knit on, you know, finger knit. And that became her like stress release. Mm -hmm. And it was fantastic. And it's a life skill. Knitting is a life skill. It's a, what does she learn out of all of this? Mm -hmm. There'll be content that she learns spit back out on some sort of program that'll be gone right from her brain. But finger knitting is a skill that she'll do forever. And then I walked upstairs and she was playing Monopoly. And I said, how are you doing that by yourself? (laughs) And, you know, our daughter can figure out anything. So I was like, hmm, this is going to be intriguing explanation. And she turned her phone and her best friend was on the phone. And they had the same Disney Monopoly game. And so they both set it up and that's how they were playing. Mm-hmm. They were she was playing at her house and she was and it was days. That thing stayed up for days and then you know, they played. So you they figured it out. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty awesome. Yeah. All right, let me ask you this. Let's turn the conversation to your uh, families of students who have AAC devices. Mm -hmm. Uh, I know you have a few. And so what is that? What does the intervention look like? What have the conversations been like? Um, I know you've been on some of those calls. What's what's it like? So at first, I think this whole thing was a shock. And so we were all trying to learn how to even be at home learning. Um, But our team is amazing and immediately got together and said, how are we going to get to these kids? What can we do? So meaning like modeling, modeling on, on the Google meets and, Mm -hmm. um, how can we use the camera? How can we, how can we use the voice? How can we use the presentations? How can, what do we need to make sure we have everything we need, um, to teach these skills? So, We got, you know, every Monday we get together and we plan and we made a room, you know, a Google Meet um, just for our student right now with AAC. And we meet with him every Tuesday and Thursday. And that just started. We got with the parent. We talked about the plan with the parent. The parent said, "Okay, you know, um, he's you know, distractible, but sure, we'll give it a try. Like, she's awesome. She, She is just so like. I'll go with it. Um, And I reminded the team that he has not seen us in 47 days. And so seeing all of us on that screen for the first time was going to be overwhelming for him. And so, well, I hoped so exciting. (laughs) (laughs) He really does. We love him. And I knew it was going to be overwhelming for them when they saw him too. And I could see them tearing up and I could, I mean, it was just, we really love our kids, you know, it's, yeah. it's awesome. And so, um, but the parent did contact us and ask if there was anything that, any webinars out there or anything that, that they could do as a family to communicate more thoroughly or better or, um, 
you know, and that's awesome because we want to be there for, to give them those resources. Yeah, that's what we can do. That's, yes. how, that's our ability to help. And I, I loved it that she reached out. So I sent her right to you, of course. I was like, here, <laughs> go see Chris. Um, and luckily, they're friends of ours. So it's great. You know, we can make sure that we take care um, of what is needed. Um, but it's cool to make sure that we have those resources available to us as teachers and to use them. And not be afraid to ask for help because that's these parents are just coming and asking and and I'm like thinking so far out of the box. It's really stretching my imagination and my creativity, which I'm really, really thankful for um, because I feel like I was getting, you know, just yeah. stuck in paperwork and every day and move, go, meeting. It's really go. easy to do. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and my creativity was working with families. And so I was really lucky that way um, all year. But. But when you're done, you go and you do your job, right? Yeah. So it's been it's been cool to see um, even the high schoolers want to show you their house on Google Meet. You know, <laughs> I love it. <laughs> All right. There's one last thing we have to talk about, uh, and that is this free resource that's coming out, or that is out. It's out right now. It's called COVIDSpeak.org. It was put yes. together by Bill Binko and Brian Whitmer. I know. Bill Binko, you might know from Lesson Picks oh, and yeah. AT Makers. Brian Whitmer is from Cough Drop. Yep. But for free, they got together and put together this uh, this resource. You showed me. I showed you. Do you want to talk about it for a it's second? fantastic. Mm. So when I got on, I just wanted to say, first of all, um, Bill and Brian, it is so clean and it is user friendly and there's, okay, so I, yeah, what is it? For oh my people gosh. Are like, what okay. is this thing? Ah. COVIDspeak.org. We've given the virus a, the ability oh. to speak, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, so it is a program mm -hmm. that is, you can get on and people in hospitals right now, when you go in, you aren't allowed to take anyone with you. So there's a lot of people in there and think about it that, um, are susceptible to being intubated or have disabilities or have underlying health issues that may include them not having an intellectual disability and not being able to communicate effectively. Mm -hmm. And so um, because they're, you know, they have no ability to speak or communicate in a way that that people can understand them. Um, these two fine men put together this program that they can... Um, communicate with another person on the screen. So it's a screen within a screen. So it's showing them and then there's, you can call, you it's know, like bring another yeah, it's like a video a conference. Video yeah. conference. And on the outside of the frame are core words that you can use. Um, yes, no, happy, sad. Um, I was investigating. You can have four um, four on a frame. You can have eight on a frame. You can have six on a frame. It's what you need. And then you can choose from the words, feelings, um, food, emotions. It's absolutely amazing. And there's a custom button so you can add your own. Yes. And there's alphabet boards and things. Yes. But so the idea is, is that because it's video conferencing mm -hmm. and a visitor is not allowed to come into the room yes. and someone might not be able to talk. Yes. So a nurse or someone could hold up a, a, a camera or something. Mm -hmm. But um, 
how do they actually communicate with the person on the other side? They would use their eyes. Yes. So they would look to different parts of the screen. So imagine using Zoom, but not talking. You're just looking at, or one person could be talking, the one person that's on one side of the screen, uh, who's maybe at home, yes. but the person that's in the hospital could then be looking at the different cells. And the person on the other end can kind of control what the, what the board is on the outside, what those symbols are. And I think this is important to note, Chris, because um, with a computer screen, you would think, oh my gosh, but it's so small. How would they know? No, they designed it so well. I was really impressed, I'll be honest with you, that it is a, it is truly a frame and they're, they're fairly big. So whatever direction you look, you know if they're looking top, top right, top middle, top left, you know? So mm -hmm. um, it's, I was just really impressed. And they have emotions that they can use it, you know, so they kept it current and modern mm -hmm. um, and things that, kids kids know you know they, they kept that kid speak in there too which I, I i i'm just really impressed by them yeah now unfortunately it costs four thousand dollars to use right no 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 chris two thousand no a, a thousand do you know how awesome these guys are I, no right ten thousand okay, let me just tell you how awesome they are I, how they put it out for free oh it's free yes <laughs> they put it out for free and guess this get this it's open source. What does that mean? It means that if you, anybody can access it, any developer can access it if they wanted to work on it or adjust it or however, or work with them. Um, but I'm just blown away. Yeah. Blown away. So remember last week how I said we signed up for that 5K run? Well, uh, Rachel had the great opportunity to talk to one of the organizers of that run. Uh, her name is Tara Weingartner, and I know her from Twitter a little bit. And uh, Tara and Rachel got, got on, the, on an interview here on Zoom and recorded what you're about to hear. So without further ado, let's listen to Rachel's interview with Tara Weingartner. you spend all of your time writing assessment reports? We know that one of the hardest things about assessments is the time it takes to write up the report. That's why we've partnered with Double Time Docs, an online software that can help you write your speech and language reports faster. You simply answer multiple choice questions, fill in the blanks, and short answers, and a fully written report is generated automatically. It may seem like magic, and in a way, it is. Sophisticated technology generates paragraphs and scoring charts, speeding up your report writing dramatically. And they've even built out an AAC portion that focuses specifically on AAC device trialing and selection. But don't take our word for it. You can check out the reviews on their website, doubletimedocs.com, by clicking on the Captera link. Join thousands of therapists and save hours of time writing your evaluation reports with Double Time Docs. Just go to DoubleTimeDocs.com to sign up for a free 30-day trial to try it out for yourself. Don't forget to use the promo code TWT2020 to get one free doc credit. That's TWT2020. Check them out at DoubleTimeDocs.com. Do you work in a hospital or know someone that's been affected by COVID-19 and has been intubated and on a ventilator? COVID Speak is a free web-based video communication tool to connect intubated patients with their loved ones during social distancing. When someone is intubated and on a ventilator, they can greatly benefit from positive emotional connections with others. To learn more, go to covidspeak.org.
Welcome to Talking With Tech. I'm your host, Rachel Madewell, joined by Tara Weiniger. Tara, thank you so much for joining us today. How are you? I'm great. Thank you for having me. Yeah. So let's just start off a little bit. Tell our audience who you are and how you got interested in assistive technology. Well, like you said, my name's Tara. Um, I am the assistive technology facilitator for the Park Hill School District. Um, that means that I do assistive technology in all areas for all students, um, any student who is not achieving. So it's not just special education. Um, I started as a special education teacher. Um, I worked in a severe and profound classroom. Um, and I just, I just started gravitating towards technology, in particular communication devices for students. And then over the years, um, I um, kind of moved into administration and decided, you know what, I miss kids. And kids with disabilities are my passion. Yeah, that's awesome. I think we all kind of share that similar passion, right? Is like we, yeah. I felt similar. I was always drawn to kids with special needs and I think I've always been drawn to technology in some ways. So it just felt like a natural progression for me to get interested in AAC, um, you know, and see what a profound impact it can make, right? Like I feel like that's yes. the coolest part is that we work with students and then we see just these amazing things happen when we get the right technology in front of a student. Mm -hmm. It's life-changing if you can find the, get everything to match up. It changes their lives. Absolutely. So the reason that I wanted to have you come on today, Tara, is because you are part of an organization that has created a virtual run. Um, and so I would love for you to just tell our audience about it. We already talked about it on the podcast um, last week, but I want to you know, talk a little bit more in detail about what the run is, how it was started, um, and then encourage people who are listening to sign up for it. Yeah, sure. Um, we have an organization. It's called Sophie's Run at Lake Wacomas. Um, that is the community in which we hold the race. This is our 10th year to have this race. Um, the race is run, and it was started as an organization to provide assistive technology for the children in the Park Hill School District. Um, well, over the 10 years, it's really grown into not only are we raising funds, but we're trying to have fun. Um, we bring a community together and we have a lot of fun while raising money. Um, and all of the funding goes towards augmentative communication devices um, for students in our school district. Sophie's Run uh, was started by Jim and Teresa Edwards, and they are parents of Sophie. Um, Sophie was a student in our school district. Um, and um, Sophie spent years trying to find the right communication device. She had a, a very complex um, disability. and they finally settled on an eye gaze device and they had to go through just an incredible amount of red tape. So it took almost an entire year for that device to get approved. Well, in that time, um, Sophie passed away. And one week after her funeral, the UPS man who they had gotten to know very well with all the other products that were being delivered, uh, walked up to the house um, to deliver the communication device that they had spent a year trying to get. So at that time, Jim and Teresa um, set their mission out to be that no family should have to wait for a communication device. Um, and if that student has gone through evaluations and trials and the team can prove that this is what this kid needs, then they should have it. Um, so that's how we got started. 
Uh, well, that's a really powerful story. And unfortunately, one that I think a lot of families struggle with. Um, a lot of clinicians who are listening to yeah. this podcast can relate to um, a, a lot of red tape sometimes, especially with you know more sophisticated devices like eye tracking. Um, it's just so much red tape and so much mm-hmm. reports and you know sometimes appeals and all these things that you have to go through in order to actually get technology in front of a student. Um, and so I love that this organization and this run is kind of working towards alleviating that. Um, and but it, it does, it alleviates a lot of that pressure, not only to get your first device, but as you know, working with students who have behavior issues, they then break devices. So <laughs> yes. I do know that all too well, unfortunately. <laughs> yes. So not only can we get a device in a parent's hand in two weeks, um, we then can replace devices. Um, we have the ability to keep the communication and language development occurring um, and not have it break down because something is broken. Absolutely. So for our listeners who are interested in this, um, and I have to say that I was tagged in social media. Thank you so much for tagging mm-hmm. me because I was so excited to see um, that this year your your run has become virtual. Yeah. Um, so I know that it was an actual run in the past, but because of all of the um, situation with the pandemic, um, you guys have created a virtual run. And that made me really excited because I was able to sign up. Um, so for people who are interested in running, what does that look like? How do they sign up? Like what, what, what are they, what are they going to do next? Well, you're going to go to run, excuse me, run Sophie's 5k.com. Um, that is our webpage. And there is a link right on the front page to register for the race. Um, the race will be held, like you said, virtually, um, starting May 24th through the 30th. We're asking everyone who registers to take a picture of yourself, um, either at the start, the finish. Some people will track their run and take a picture of your watch um, or phone or whatever you've used to track your race and tag us in social media. We have a Facebook and Instagram and a Twitter account. So whichever format you, you use the most, um, we're just asking that you um, tag us in hopes that we can continue to spread the word um, that funds are needed um, to benefit kids who use augmentative communication. And and for listeners who are out there who are like, oh, wow, I would love to start something like this for my school district. Is like, what would your advice be to a clinician who's like, I want I want to do this in my neck of the woods? Yeah, it's great. Um, I would recommend anyone do it. We've been able to help 132 families um, over 10 years, and that's a lot. That's a that's lot a of lot. families. Um, Absolutely. So I would recommend that you find a family. Um, that you can collaborate with like the Edwards. It works successfully because we have such a powerful relationship with Jim and Teresa Edwards. Um, And then I would say, contact me. Um, Sophie's Run would be willing to have any school district be underneath our non-for-profit umbrella, Mm -hmm. but you could have your own run and name it whatever or dedicate it to whatever student or family that you want. Um, But there's no reason any school district cannot put together their own fundraising idea. Maybe a 5K isn't what works best in your area, but there is another fundraiser that would work well. Mm-hmm. Um, and start slow. You know, 10 years ago, um, we were really excited that we had 300 um, runners, and now we're up to races that are over 500 and 600. So start small um, and know that every year you get bigger and bigger. 
And exactly. I think that what it does is, and of course it raises funds, which we need in order to get devices and fix devices and things like that. We need money. But the even greater impact I feel like is you build awareness, right? Somebody might not even know what an AAC device is and they might, you know, hear that their friend is running, you know, Sophie's Mm -hmm. run. And then it allows you and affords you an opportunity to talk about what is an augmentative alternative communication and why is it so important for, you know, students who aren't able to, you know, consistently use words to communicate. So I feel like it really opens that door to allow for a bigger conversation, which is awesome. Exactly. One of the things that have occurred is that we have 20 buildings in our school district. Each building has a team and the teams are typically made up of kids who join a running club. So they start training usually in January when the snow melts here. Um, They start training and at those training sessions, I'm able to bring communication devices in and show them what a communication device can look like. Mm-hmm. Um, they often say, oh, well, my neighbor uses that, or I've seen so-and-so walking in the halls with that. Um, and it raises their awareness. But then when they all come to the race, they compete against each other for you know, best time, which building had the most competitors, who raised the most um, funds. We do coins for communication and the kids bring their cans of coins and we count them. And um, they learn a lot about how much it takes to purchase a device, but also how to become a better AAC communicator. Absolutely. Yeah. And anytime we can take an opportunity to teach communication partners, especially peers, um, what an amazing experience. And um, it sounds like it's an entire community event, which I love because it's not just, you know, the the students with special needs, right? We open it up to the entire district and the entire school. And um, I love the idea of this sense of community that's built around an, an activity like this. It's very exciting. And the community has gotten more involved. I mean, the groceries the grocery store managers come, restaurant managers come now to our race and they're learning about how to be better AAC listeners and communicators when those students and families come to their places of business. So it just keeps growing and it's so wonderful. Well, I love that. Um, Tara, for people who are like, yes, I want to start this for my district. What's a good email address to reach you at? You can email runsophies5k at gmail or you can email me and it's just one Ninger T at parkhill.k12.mo.us. Amazing. I would definitely encourage everyone uh, to think about this and if it might make sense for your district, if you're a school-based SLP, um, even if you're in private practice, I think you could start something like this um, in your own community and get a lot of support and momentum. Um, I'm really excited that you were able to come on today, Tara. Um, I definitely would encourage all of our listeners to sign up for the run. Chris and I have signed up, um, share it on social media. Um, You can go to runsophies5k.com is the website, correct, Tara? Yes, ma'am. Amazing. Um, May 24th through the 30th. Tara, what if you can't run? Because I feel like I'm thinking about all the things that people are telling themselves like, well, I can't run. Well, I can't run, uh, but I walk. And so you can do a walk. Uh, You can do your run. Maybe you do four blocks a day. And if that's all you can walk, that's all you can walk. Great. I love it. I'm just trying to anticipate all of the excuses that people come up with, right? When I know, like, right? Oh, a 5K run. Oh, no. Um, well, you can just make a donation if you don't want to do the physical exercise. There's a button on the website for that, too. <laughs> 
I love it. I love it. Um, I did think definitely now with quarantine, I think we could all get outside, do some walking, get some fresh air. Um, yes. I love, I love the idea of splitting it up across, you know, the entire week if you want to. Yeah. Um, I love this. I'm so excited, Tara. Thank you so much for coming on. Hey, thank you for having me. And thank you to everyone. You know, we have 22 states represented um, in the run this year because we've gone, put it out on so much social media and because people like you and Chris and many other wonderful um, speech pathologists have signed up. So we so appreciate you. Love it. Love it. For Talking With Tech, I'm Rachel Madel, joined by Tara Weininger. You guys sign up for Sophie's Run. I'm really excited. You'll definitely see it on my social media when I'm running um, for Talking With Tech. Thank you guys so much for listening and we'll talk to you guys next week. Hi, I'm Mei-Ling Chan. And I'm Martin Sibley. And we are the hosts of the Exceptional Leaders Podcast, where we spotlight high-profile topics and amazing people who are changing the worldview on disability. Even though we are oceans apart, we are bringing people from all over the world together to discuss inclusion, advocacy, accessibility, and real-life journeys. So listen to the Exceptional Leaders Podcast to hear the voices and stories from amazing changemakers and be inspired to make a real difference in the world. You're listening to the Exceptional Podcast Network.